Thanks for joining us for this podcast. We hope that it inspires you to follow Jesus. You can find out more about the life and ministry of City Lights Church and how you can connect with us at city-lights.church. Well, this morning, um, I'm starting this series called Surviving the Silly Season. Surviving the Silly Season. I don't know if you've ever heard of the term a mixed bag. Who's heard of the term a mixed bag? I don't know if it's an, if it's an Aussie saying or if it's uh, from those that, are, that grew up in a different place other than Australia. Is a mixed bag, uh, is it a somewhat universal term? Okay, we've got a Canadian nod here. Do we have any? We have no South Africa. Do we have a South African nod? Okay. Zim- Zimbabwean. Caribbean. 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 So, okay. So, a mixed bag is essentially that. Is a mixed bag is uh, a situation or an experience which has some things that are both good and bad and indifferent. So that, that's what we say. So, someone would ask you, how was it? And you'd go, oh, it was a bit of a mixed bag. And when we come up to Christmas and this season, not necessarily Christmas itself, but the run-up or the lead-up to Christmas, I would say, for most people, they would say, it's a mixed bag. And so coming up into Christmas, you've got a couple of different things going on. You've got the fun things. There are people here that love Christmas. Okay, what, what is one of the things that pops into your mind of your favorite things about Christmas? What is like your favorite fun thing to do? Do you have something? Okay, share it with the person next to you. What is one of your favorite things about Christmas? If you're listening on the podcast, we want to welcome you as well at this time. Okay, so most of us, most of us have got some favorite things and some fun things about Christmas. Okay, in our family, we have a couple of fun things. We love to watch the Home Alone movies. Okay, mainly one and two. Third was a dud, okay? If you disagree, that's fine. Okay, one and two, they're almost exactly the same, but, but they're awesome, right? So uh, I love to watch the carols um, on one of the nights, Christmas Eve. Our kids don't have a bedtime, so they can choose when they want to go to bed that night. So there's a couple of like family things. We'll go out and we'll drive around and, and we'll do the streetlight thing. We'll walk around and see the houses. We'll search up on the internet the different houses. These, these are the things that we love, the fun things that we get to do. I also love cricket, okay? And there's a specific thing that I love to do um, in cricket season, particularly with test cricket, I don't necessarily like to watch it, but I like to fall asleep in front of it. That's a very niche kind of specific thing that I like about. So uh, I think one time my beautiful wife took a photo of me with a sleep, with a bit, probably a bit of dribble and a remote control and posted it on the internet. What a wonderful... But that's what I like to do. I don't necessarily want to watch it. Please don't turn it off. It's not as though I'm watching it, but I want to fall asleep in front of it. That's one of the, it's very niche, as I said. And so we have fun things, but if we're honest, we also have some sad things. Sometimes Christmas 
reminds us of loss. It reminds us sometimes, it, it reminds us of, of family members that we've, that we've lost. Um, sometimes it, it reminds us of things. Sometimes we are like, well, what, you know, what could have been or what was. And that's, and that's why we say it's a mixed bag because we've got some fun things, but we've got some sad things. We've also got some hard things. There's some hard things. And I would say in the hard things, a lot of the time the hard things are, are around relationships. And sometimes Christmas actually uh, puts us in rooms and situations with people that we don't usually choose to associate with and usually their family. And sometimes it's hard. That's, so, so it's a mixed bag, right? We've got these fun things, these things that we enjoy. We've got some sad things and we've got some, some hard things. And in the lead up to Christmas, I, what I've recognized, and, and maybe I don't know if this is things that you agree with or, or that you disagree with, but I've recognized three pressure points in the lead up to Christmas that most people experience. You may or may not agree, but the first is uh, busyness. And here's my phrase, around Christmas, people speed up to slow down. Have you experienced that? People are speeding up to slow down. Now, this is part, these things are part of what makes this the silly season. The second thing is relationships. Sometimes we're in situations where we're in difficult relationships and other times we're actually going to be drawn maybe into a group or a relational environment that's actually really unhealthy for us. And I'll be talking about these things over the next today and then the next two weeks after this. And the third is finances. So this is a, a couple, of, couple of ways. One is some people coming into Christmas, they don't know how they're going to afford presents or put food on the table. And then other people are, are, are wrestling with uh, consumerism, the idea that if I have more, I'll be more happy. So they attach happiness to what they have. And I would say, in my experience as a person, personally what I feel, but also as a pastor and a leader, I've seen these things affect people. And, and I would say that these are the drivers of what I would call the silly season. Not necessarily Christmas, but the silly season. So we've got these mixed bag of different things. We've got the fun things, we've got the hard things, and we've got the sad things. But what I want to introduce today and what I want to remind us today, what about the Jesus things at Christmas? Because as we know, Jesus the Christ, the Christ in Christmas, Christ meaning God's anointed one, Christ meaning God's chosen empowered one to come onto, into the earth. And what did he come to do? He came to bring peace. Who would like a little bit more peace around this time? He came to restore broken relationships. He came to heal bodies. He came to deliver us from, uh, you know, the, the dominion of uh, things that control our mind where we should have freedom in our minds. There's all these kind of things. And so I think it's really important at this time for us to be 
active in actually sorting through this mixed bag and embracing the fun things and dealing with as best we can the sad things and the hard things and looking for things that are healthy and things that are eternal and things that bring hope and things that bring peace. Do you know that whole idea of sorting through different things is actually a very uh, biblical idea. In fact, Jesus talks about in a parable, and I'm reading, I'm going to read from the New King James Version, and I have a particular reason to do that because there's a particular word that is described very well in the New King James um, that we're going to focus on. But let's read this together. It's on the screen. You can read it in your Bible or on a device. Matthew 13. This is Jesus speaking. Another parable he put forth to them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. So tares, we're going to talk about this in a minute, but tares is a very, it's a weed, but it's a very specific type of weed, which I'll explain in a minute. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed into your field? How then does it have tares? So tares, what's the big deal about tares? If you see this next uh, picture coming up on the screen, with tares, one of the things is when tares and wheat are growing side by side at the beginning, it is almost impossible to tell the difference. It's only until the time of harvest when you see that wheat actually has uh, a seed, a grain, and tares have nothing. And so that's the, the big idea. And in some other uh, translations, it doesn't use the word tares. But if we look at them side by side in the next one, it, this is a time just about harvest. You see the ones on the left are pretty much useless and the other ones contain the wheat. Let's keep reading. He said to them, the, an enemy has done this. And the servant said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them. Then gather the wheat into my barn. So here are the implications of this, is that we need to be alert. It said people fell asleep and didn't recognize what was happening. And we need to be active when it comes to sorting through what is good, what is healthy, what is eternal versus what is just not really worth anything, what actually harms us, hurts us, or has no value. And that's really important. And we need to be wise in the way that we do this. I'll add this side note. We need to be wise, not weird. Please, as an application of this message, don't go onto the internet and calling out all the things that you see wrong with Christmas. Okay, that is not the purpose of that. And you probably know people that do that. Please don't. And some people would even say that uh, Christianity is a, is a pagan ritual, which is actually where it started, and that we shouldn't celebrate it because it's a pagan ritual. I think that's actually what happened. It started like that, but then all these people started to come to Jesus 
and they started to celebrate Jesus and make the whole thing about Jesus. And I think that's what makes it even better because that's what Jesus does. He comes and restores and redeems things because he owns everything and he brings them back to life. So don't be weird. That's a good, you can, yeah, that's. And today we talked, there's, there's three things that make it the silly season, but today I want to talk specifically about one. And that is busyness. I want to talk about busyness. And I want to share a story from Luke chapter 10. You may have uh, heard it before. It may be the first time you're hearing it. And this is the one, verse 38. And it says, As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. Now, we, don't, we just want to put a pause in here because this is actually amazing what is happening. Because at that time, women were not allowed to become disciples of rabbis. It was very, very uncommon. So the fact here, this is actually culturally quite staggering that Jesus would invite and allow a woman to be under his teaching in order that she would become a disciple. It's very countercultural how Jesus interacted and, uh, and uh, really uh, championed women in, in discipleship. It says, verse 40, But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. I don't think it was turkey, but if that helps you with the story... I can't stop you. Ham, prawns. She came to, not ham. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. And the title of my message this morning is, When Busy Becomes Boss. Turn to the person next to you and say, When Busy Becomes Boss. When busy becomes boss, when busy becomes boss, it is not a good boss. Busy becomes a tyrant. Busy becomes demanding. Busy becomes controlling. And if we are not alert and awake, busyness can run our lives and also ruin our lives. But it's tricky, right? And I'm not talking about you not accomplishing things in life. I'm not talking about you not working really hard. I'm not talking about you not stretching yourself and doing more than you've done and achieving your goals. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the type of crazy busyness and the rushing. Do you, do you, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel that in my body. I feel physiologically the rush right? The, the quickened heartbeat, the mind racing. That's how I feel it. 
And we see it in this story, but we also see it in our lives. And here's three things that I've observed in my life. I also observe in this story that busyness does. The first thing is that it diminishes our relationships. It distracts our focus and it deceives our priorities. So what about the first one, diminishing our relationship? So I've been a pastor for about 20 years, uh, volunteer for the first part of that, volunteer pastor for the first part of that. And in all my conversations, I have never, ever heard someone say, I am busy and my life is going great. I am just flourishing. My relationships are great. I feel at so much peace. I'm sleeping well. I'm eating well. People don't say that, do they? No one's ever said that to me. And so what happens when you're really busy? I know what happens with me. My fuse shortens. I have a shorter fuse. Okay, if you're married to someone and they're sitting next to you, don't look at them in this time. Do not nudge them. Okay, keep your eyes, keep your body to yourself and your eyes straight ahead. If your parents are in the room, don't look at them and say, you do this, okay? So we get, our fuse gets shorter, we get grumpier, we get more easily annoyed, we get snappier. And often when we're busy, we actually invest less time with people who love us the most. Notice that? The other thing I've noticed, I was thinking about this this week is when I'm busy, I expect both everyone in the world to know and everyone to compensate. Because I'm driving, right? And I've got somewhere to be. And this person is not driving as fast as me. Okay, I'm not speeding. I'm a pastor, okay? I'm not speeding. But this person is not going as fast. They're going slow. And they should know... And they should get out of my way because I'm busy. Or if I'm in a checkout, okay? I'm at, maybe I'm in the self-check, which I really don't like. Okay, that's another sermon for another day. Some of you are like, yeah, we hate the self-checkout. So at the times, right? So there are times when I expect, like, everyone should know. And I'm busy and I've got... My life is just, I've got no margin in my life, so we better just move everything along because I am busy. There is quite a a famous and um, very influential uh, Christian. Her name was Corrie Ten Boom. I don't know if you've ever heard of her. She survived a um, a Nazi concentration camp, and unfortunately her, her sister passed away of starvation in that camp. And she said this, she said that if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. And there's truth in that. Both sin and busyness have the same effect. They cut off your connection to God, to other people, and even your own soul. Is that true? I think it's true for me. I've observed that for me that what we lose when we're busy or what we have, what we are often led to lose is connection. It diminishes our relationship, our relationship with God, 
our relationship with others and the health of our soul. The second thing that it does is it distracts our focus. Okay, there are three ways that it distracts our focus. The first is task orientation. So task orientation. I I would say in life there are people who are more naturally people orientated and more naturally task orientated. There is no better or worse person because, you know, we just value each other. However, sometimes we can focus on things at the expense of people, all in the name of getting the job done. Okay, so we rationalize it with ourselves. Well, I had to do that because I had to get the job done. And so this is what happens. It distracts our focus on what's really important. So Martha's focus was on being a great host at the expense of being a great host. Does that make sense? Her her focus was being a great host at the expense of being a great host. She had Jesus, the Jesus in her home. And she's like, I have to get the big meal, the perfect meal. And Jesus said, I didn't order the perfect meal. I just came to talk and to connect. There's a a preacher by the name of uh, Bill Johnson, and he says this, Martha was making sandwiches that Jesus didn't order. And we do that. Task orientation, the first thing. The second thing is worry and anxiety. When worry and anxiety consumes us, Jesus says, Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. We experience that? I think we do. And the third way it distracts our focus is when our response to distraction, we look to unhealthy coping mechanisms. Okay, one example, we consume media in an unhealthy way. You can consume media in healthy and unhealthy ways. We can uh, death scroll on social media. I think you can engage with social media till you've, feel like you know everything about everyone that they posted in the last month. And we can read endless news stories and we can not just enjoy shows, but we can binge shows. And why do we do it? Because we can't cope with the busyness. The third thing, this is the hard one, right? It deceives our priorities. This is the the issue between the wheat and the tares. This is the big one, right? Because we can't tell when we get busy, we can't tell, we lose our ability to discern what is good and healthy and what is unhealthy because we have all these things going on. So Martha had a unique opportunity to be in the presence of Jesus, but she missed it. But even more than she missed it, she rationalized to herself that it was unimportant or it was less important. And this is the challenge because we can't tell the difference. Like the wheat and the tares, we look at that field and when it's young, we can't tell because 
we are deceived. Now, number one, if you are deceived, by nature, you don't know. You are deceived. And that's where Jesus comes in. Do you know we have a lot of things that scream at us in life? For most of us, our responsibilities of life, they scream at us. Okay, Our workplaces, they're wanting more, demanding more. Our life is demanding more. Sometimes they're screaming. Sometimes our kids, if you have young kids, are literally screaming, not metaphorically screaming. But Jesus is not one of the things that screams. Jesus never screams. He only whispers. He never screams. He only whispers. So then you might say, so what are you saying to me this morning, Andrew? Are you saying I should quit all the responsibilities of my life and just sit on a couch and listen to worship music? And some of you are like, yes, please tell me that's what you're saying. I'll do it now. I'll do it right now. I'll text my boss right now. And I want to give you three tips to beat busy. Three tips to beat busy. Very simple. Won't take a lot of time. The first one is this. Slow down long enough to hear the voice of Jesus. How long? Long enough. How many minutes? Long enough. When do I know? When I hear the voice of Jesus. Will that be an audible voice? Probably not. Maybe. It will probably be a thought that is godly, that has hope, that says you have worth, that says you belong, that says God loves you. Or it might be something from the Bible which says something very similar and usually will cut across your busyness. It will usually bring peace. And this is such a wonderful thing. Slow down long enough to hear the voice of Jesus. Why don't you put a time? Slow down for 10 minutes to hear the voice of Jesus. You slow down long enough to hear the voice of Jesus because it's a relational response. It's a person to person, the person of Jesus speaking to you. Now, sometimes if we're honest, don't put up your hand. Some people, you've got your life so totally worked out. You've got your schedule worked out and you honestly don't think Jesus has anything to contribute. Or you're afraid that he might ask you to stop doing something that you want to do. Only you can respond to those two challenges. But I want to encourage you that what it takes to slow down long enough to hear the voice of Jesus is humility. Is humility. And the only way for busy not to be boss is for Jesus to be boss. And I've got a question specifically for those that would say, identify as I'm a Jesus follower, I'm a disciple of Jesus. And here's the question, are you busy with what you choose to do or are you busy with what Jesus has asked you to do? That's a different question. 
I'll tell you why. Because when Jesus asks you to do something, as my dad says, one of my favorite sayings, he says, there's batteries included. There's power. There's anointing. There's a flow of the Holy Spirit when Jesus asks you. When you're doing all these things without connection to Jesus or whether surrender humility, that's something else. Now, as a church, we want to equip you to do this. You might say, I have, I have never tried that. I have never tried to hear the voice of God or to pray on our website, on the resources tab. We have a blog, we have podcasts, we have prayer resources. They're all there designed to help you do this exact same thing. Anyone can do it. Do you know the way to do it? Is to start doing it. Pretty easy. Okay, first one, slow down long enough to hear the voice of Jesus. The second is this, to choose connection over distraction. Do you know I've found this to be true, but I've always also personally usually found this difficult to start. I find this a bit like exercise. When I, before I exercise, I don't usually want to exercise. But I do, and then after I exercise, I'm glad I did. For me, it's the same. Maybe different for you. But when we choose connection over distraction, we can actually find the life of Jesus. You only find the life of Jesus in the person of Jesus. You only find the life of Jesus in connecting to Jesus. And we've all been there. So we choose connection over over distraction. Let me give you a pro tip. Let me give you a life hack. It's not found on a screen. Connection is fun. Here's some practical things you could do. Go for a walk and pray at the same time. Or sit in silence. Maybe read a scripture and just think about it. Put your phone in another room. If you're in a family, a young family, tag team, with someone and say, hey, I, I want to spend some time with God. Would you, could you look after the kids? That kind of thing. It doesn't have to be a long time. Here's another thing I like to do. Write a list of things that I'm thankful for. When I'm anxious, when I'm worried, I'm just like, okay, God, wow, look at all the things you've done in my life. Look at all the things. Stop to remember the grace of God. The last one, very simple. Be intentional with your calendar. I want to encourage you to be intentional, to schedule rest, particularly in this time. Not to overcommit. Here's a common phrase. Let's catch up before the end of the year. And it comes out of our mouth and we're like, I said that because I'm a friendly person and I like this person. So here's a couple of other options to that. Maybe you could catch up in January, also a legitimate month of the year. Okay, don't, don't, don't overfill your calendar with catch-ups just because you wanted to do it before the end of the year. By all means, enjoy this. It's a great time of connection with people. But I encourage this really practical thing. We want to be intentional and we want to say, okay, this is a time where I'm actually going to slow down in my week. Not my whole week, but a time in my week. Do you know that 
when we do these things, when we slow down long enough to be with Jesus, when we choose connection over distraction, and when we're intentional with how we use our time and resources, there is a flow of life. And we don't get caught up in some of the things around this time of year which actually are unhealthy for us. But instead, we are able to be in a position and we position ourselves to be a source of life, to be a source of calm, to be a source of peace in that time. And this is what I want to invite us to. What about you? What about us? What if we were people at this time of year who chose not just to survive, but to thrive in this season? To enter this season with such great hope. To enter this season actually on a mission that I'm going to bring life to my family. I'm going to bring hope to my family. In my workplace, I'm going to be a source of peace. Yeah, I've got to get some things done before the end of the year. But I'm going to be a source of peace and a source of life and a source of strength. This is what God invites us to through connection with the person of Jesus. I want to take just about two or three minutes to uh, pray for a couple of things and a couple of people. So if you just wouldn't mind joining me in closing your eyes and and bowing your head. The first is I, I want to invite people to respond. If you have never made Jesus the boss of your life, when we say Lord Jesus Christ, we acknowledge the gap between God and us. And we say, God, you are God, you are good, and I surrender my whole life to you. And I put you first because I know that you, when I put you in control, when I surrender to you, you allow life to flow through to me. And this morning, if that's you, I would love to pray with you. And would you just put up just uh, put up your hand just as a sign so I can pray with you. Yeah, I see that. I see that. Before I move on, anyone else that wants me to include you in this prayer? Okay, thank you. God, we thank you for those that have responded in this moment that want you to be Lord and King and boss of their lives. Lord, we thank you that you are not angry, demanding, controlling, but you are a source of life and peace. So right now, we just release that to them in the name of Jesus. Let me pray for all of us. God, we pray as a community, as a church, as followers of Jesus, we pray that this season, this next lead into Christmas, would be marked by connection to you. God, give us the strength, give us the courage to say yes to you. Lord, help us to be countercultural, to help us to be sources of life and peace and strength and hope for others, to glorify you. Lord, we pray actually for a release of the presence of your Holy Spirit to do exactly that, to witness to you, just like you promised. And we thank you for that. In the name of Jesus.
Thanks for joining us for this message. We hope that it has inspired you to follow Jesus. You can find out more about City Lights Church at city-lights.church.